Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Elysium Project. Today we are walking the path of public service. Uh, before I announce my amazing guest, uh, Astrid the Huntress, uh, let me explain what the Elysium Project is all about. The Elysium Project is part of a larger initiative called the Age of Heroes. Uh, the Age of Heroes posits that the way of the hero must utilize one's individual strengths to make our world a better place. One need not be perfect or operating from ideal circumstances either. Are not the heroes that inspire us often tragically flawed? Are not their lives not in a state of flux and full of uncertainty? Does this prevent them from attempting and accomplishing great things? Our Age of Heroes initiatives have harnessed the creative energy and focused the attention of many heroic individuals with radically diverse backgrounds over the years, directing it towards improving the collective quality of human life. The Age of Heroes welcomes secular, intrafaith, and interfaith participation. And as with the Argonaut expedition of old, the children of different and sometimes warring gods are invited to partner with exceptional mortals to face great challenges and accomplish great things. So onwards and welcome to Astrid. Welcome, Hercules. And here now, we go again with Atlantis because water <laughs> is so vital. And as we see Venice going underwater and so many other areas, you know, just totally devastated by water out of control brought about by man and his use of chemicals and abuse of our environment. Oh, most certainly. And um, there is, I've been exploring the problem more and more just to get an idea of the scope. And the scope is so vast that uh, uh, it's intimidating, but we have to do something. There's no choice anymore. 
Most definitely. And, and the great thing is that you've presented a platform here where we can get access to information as it's happening, not just in Sussex County, not just in New Jersey, not just the United States, but globally, because it is amazing the effects that climate change has brought up about, and not just climate change, but climate change coupled with the indifference by individuals and huge corporations, which is manifesting itself in unbelievably horrific ways. Yes, there is. I want to talk about Venice a little bit, because we usually focus on what's going on locally uh, and living a much bigger world. And Venice was an extreme example of climate change. And it led to kids in Italy being required, being mandated to learn about climate change. Well, that's amazing. And I have to say, the, the European attitude is much different than what we have here. I mean, also, you did see Hoboken, you know, the town of Hoboken City, and uh, New York City, you know, jump back and try and find solutions from um, the flooding that they incurred, you know, with the hurricanes and just vast rains. And a lot of it has to do with the way property has been utilized for construction with no thought of the way the um, the weather affects certain areas, low-lying land. Uh, you see that down the shore with the erosion and building. You know, you've got to have these homes. Beautiful view right on top of the ocean. Well, yeah, but uh, what happens when the ocean decides it wants to uh, pull your property within its its means? And I think we forget about the power of, of uh, Mother Nature and what can happen, and that we're in control of the time, and we aren't. No, obviously not. Um, nature is in control, always has been, always will be. And there have been, uh, in the past, uh, um, mass extinctions and shifts in the tectonic plates and uh, in the Earth itself. Uh, um, right. So that's legend of Atlantis, uh, one of the reasons why I chose it, uh, or it chose me, if you want to look at it that way, um, because (laughs) to remind us that things can change drastically in a moment, and civilizations, mighty as they may seem to those living in them, can vanish in a moment. Most definitely. And uh, the one thing I I do remember is that uh, there was a great NOVA program on public television concerning sinking cities. And I remember I sent you a link for one of them. And one of them was New York. The other one was London. And they talked about how they were, uh, London in particularly, how they were setting upon, uh, upon um, solutions to, re- to resolve some of the, the rising tides. Yeah. And it was amazing, the thought processes that went into it. And there, it, there are a lot of different solutions going on. And then there are those that refuse to accept what's going on and the very short-range uh, goals dealing just with what's happening now. And, and with that, I'm going to start with uh, my first topic, which are the algae blooms, because it is so yeah. of Sussex County and the lake, because a lake is different from – uh, from an ocean and South Jersey, we've had all the horrific stories related to the fury of the ocean and the hurricanes. But uh, up here in North Jersey, 
uh, the issue where, where the, this the past year, the big issue was the toxic algae in the New Jersey lakes. And, of course, we talk, we've talked in previous sessions uh, about yes. the causes. And, matter of fact, our very first um, uh, blog concerning Atlantis and the effect of water and, and the power of it was related to the blooms. And, and we talked a little bit about Jeffrey Gall, who was the president of Princeton Hydro, a water resources engineering and a natural resource management uh, firm. And he gave solutions with the – I know I gave you different sites and different solutions he came yes, up he with. And, and I thought they were so great because he talked about green stormwater infrastructure, sustainability, designing things for wetlands and floodplain reconnection, stream restoration, permeable pavement and green roofs, uh, and, and then getting into uh, implementing regional watershed-based planning. Uh, restoration plans, runoff effluent limits, and regional stormwater utilities. And then he, the big one was passed the Water Quality Protection and Jobs Creation Act, H.R. 1497 in Congress. So he had some viable solutions. Well, what do we see in the paper just recently? It was in the Star-Ledger, actually. And it was our governor, Bill Murphy, saying he has a plan to make sure future years do not go the way they did this year. And he put most of the emphasis on Lake Apacon because it's the largest lake. So yeah. it's become the face of the state's uh, algae bloom problem. He had a meeting in Roxbury. It was on Monday. And he announced $13.5 million in funding to local communities as part of an, a new initiative to stop the pollution that feeds algae. And he talked a lot about how it impacts the public health and economy, how it is a global challenge, and our initiative to reduce the blooms will allow us to protect the health of our residents as well as the economies. I am so glad that he put the health of residents before economics. And I have to say, you know, this this governor, whatever people feel about him, he has made major efforts, and we'll talk about that also in the second part when we get into the four elements. But he talked about 39 confirmed instances of harmful algae blooms and water bodies. And he said there's no way, even as the temperatures began to dip, there were still some issues. He said it's, you know, it's horrifying that 22 confirmed blooms in 2017 – 20 in 2018, and now 39 instances. And he talked a little bit about, you know, the the advisories and how it took a toll on the summer tourism season. Uh, The Roxbury mayor says, you know, he doesn't think that, um, you know, that that the 13.9 million is going to do it. But at the same time, it's a start in a time when Governor Christie did away with so many funds for uh, different areas of our state in terms of management, it's unbelievable. So it's nice to see that someone is putting people before businesses, which seems to be what all that uh, Christie was interested in. And uh, some of that money that Murphy said will come in the form of $10 million worth of principal forgiveness grants from the federal Clean Water State Revolving Fund. So I think that the, the big plan for uh, Lake Apacon is they're going to start looking for sewer and stormwater improvement projects, which is one of the things that was yes. mentioned in that article by Jeffrey Gull. 
and um, they're glad that somebody's finally starting to do something. $2.5 million of the money will be coming from the DEP matching grants for bloom treatment projects. And they'll be looking at also uh, a million for projects related to better managing stormwater. Another thing that, that Jeffrey mentioned, maybe they read the article, <laughs> because it's maybe. nice to see that they're actually listening to people in the know, experts. That is comforting to know, and it, it's very much uh, needed. Uh, the earth, uh, as we know it, is in crisis, and uh, estimates are not looking good. Uh, um, I'm looking at, uh, from various sources, anywhere from 10 to 20 years is the window of time we have uh, until uh, really terrible things start happening. Right, right. I also thought it was interesting that he wanted to uh, create an advisory scale for the blooms. So there would be different levels, similar to the category system used for hurricanes. So there is a lot of thought in this. And I'm happy to see it's not the same old, same old, like as, as we would be uh, touting with some of these horrific um, um, uh, sites, toxic sites where they go on and on for years in the state with no resolution and, and oh, they're going to look into it. I'm happy to see that there's someone on board who is very environmentally conscious. And this comes at a time when uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, which is there to protect our environment from the title, um, the uh, clean water uh, legislation has been drastically uh, scaled back. And many things right. were not right. are now permitted again. Right. And this is interesting because the next item I wanted to mention to you goes deals directly with that. And it's talking about the Hawaiian reef case at the Supreme Court level and how it could limit the Clean Water Act. Because right now there is a dispute in the Supreme Court involving a coral reef off of Hawaii, which can yes. impose major limits on the Clean Water Act. What is this about? It's about mines and coal-fired power plants and environmental advocates against each other. So the justices are set to hear the arguments. And it's centered on treated wastewater that makes its way into the waters off Maui Beach. So, of course, the Maui County officials are backed by the Trump administration and big business. They're urging the court to say, oh, the facility doesn't need a permit because it pumps its wastewater into the ground, not directly in the water. Well, if it goes into the ground, <laughs> where do you think it's going to go? It's going to go to people's wells, to their yeah. homes, the drinking water. And they're really concerned because they're saying, well, the permit requirement so far could be applied to home septic systems. Well, Maybe if the septic systems were monitored a little closely and there wasn't legislation and regulations to scale back in Lake Capacon concerning septics, the issue wouldn't be as intense as it is there. You know, again, it goes back to economics versus uh, safety. So this is interesting because they're, they're looking uh, to restrict federal jurisdiction over wetlands and waterways. So we'll see what the EPA does there because they're looking to roll back an Obama administration rule, what is defined as waters of the United States in the Clean Water Act. They're looking now at, to replace it and not include these different types of uh, waters. So we shall see what happens with this Hawaiian treatment facility. 
releasing three to five million gallons of treated water a day into four underground pipes known as control wells. This, then this discharge fluid mixes with the groundwater, and they use a dye to, to see that it, where it reaches the Pacific through fissures in the ocean. So this should be very interesting to see how this results. Where they I read that. there's something going on with the reef and the Chinese, that the Chinese government oh, is uh, doing some things over there also with that uh, reef. Uh, right. That's too threatens the environment, and people are protesting. Right, and uh, and another thing that was interesting because we always keep seeing about the EPA softening regulations. So now we see this uh, this one thing, uh, one issue with Hawaii going to the uh, Supreme Court. Another thing that's been in battle for how many years now is the Keystone Pipeline system, and that's been a subject of an environmental protest for years and years and years. Because, first of all, the location of the pipeline, where are they locating it? At one point, they were invading areas that were, um, that were sacred and protected by, for the Native Americans, and then, then that didn't matter anymore. And um, an- another thing that just happened, they said, well, it's never going to leak. Guess what? 383,000 gallons of crude oil in North Dakota covering an estimated half acre of wetlands. Big leak. Big leak. This spill is unbelievable. And it occurred in a low gradient drainage area, less than 50 miles from the the Canadian border. So it's one of the larger spills in that state. There are no residences there, and the wetland is not a source of drinking water. So they feel it's not a big issue, and they can't even say whether they started to clean it up yet. So, I I mean, this is outrageous. You know, they were denied a permit in 2015 by Barack Obama. But a few days after President Trump got in, he said it was fine. Uh, TC Energy, which is actually TransCanada Energy, was allowed to permit. And, uh, of course, you know, Sierra Club has been fighting for this in how long and saying that this week's leak gets further proof. You don't even know the extent of the damage because of the fact that um, you, how, if it's going into the ground, who knows what type of, of consequence this is going to have. So there we go. Another blow for the environment by that Keystone Pipeline. So we have a lot to, to do, and uh, we have to really pull together and, and see what uh, we can put together for other people to make this uh, fight a lot easier uh, to get involved uh, with, uh, because it is our water, and without our water, uh, we cannot survive uh, at all. Life as we understand it cannot survive at all. Right, right. And the New York Times had a great article going back to the very first uh, mention of Venice, talking about the flooding. And and it's always been uh, a water city. But um, the situation now is that they've, you know, lost so much in terms of um, place being buried by water. I mean, some of these sites are so old. St. Mark's Basilica, three feet of water. Amazing. And they realize it's all in relation to climate change. I mean, schools had to be closed. Um, Italy's invested billions of euros in a flood protection system, known, known by the acronym MOSE, 
but its offshore under underwater dams have yet to be completed. So they are at least planning something. It's not being done at a at a quick enough pace because of the fact. I mean, there, it's always been a, a canal town, and they've always had these dangers. But even with this investment and this plan of of having these uh, offshore underwater dams, it's not happening quick enough because the sea levels are rising at a faster rate than than experts had predicted all over. Now, there's two separate issues. And just like with the climate change, uh, people are... Uh, saying that, oh, there's no climate change, it's an illusion, uh, you know, uh, but if you look at what's happening, uh, aside from what you think climate changes or global warming, uh, right. you can see signs all over the place. It's the same thing with uh, the water. Uh, on one hand, some people are saying that we're losing all our drinking water, and then on the other hand, water is arising and swallowing islands. So some people are saying, see, there's no crisis. In fact, you know, with the uh, uh, the ice caps uh, melting, all the water is being <laughs> But that that isn't the case. Well, you know, and and they're related, and yet they're not related. They're related in the sense that it's due to man's abuse and use of uh, our lands and our four elements. But um, rising, the rising temperatures is because of the melting water. And, and floods and hurricanes, the lack of clean drinking water and issues with our water is due to corporations and the EPA loosening regulations on these very regulations that were set to protect people from poisons and toxins in their system. So, um, but they're both related to man. Uh Yes, they're both related to humanity, and uh, humanity seems very loath to take responsibility. Uh, the earth and her functioning and uh, the well-being of uh, her people. So uh, uh, changing is greatly uh, needed. Now, here in New Jersey, I know that uh, we have Valerie Huddle. Um, uh, She has an office uh, in Englewood, and uh, I've been there several uh, times um, to uh, uh, sit in on uh, talks about animal rights and animal well-being and so forth. She's also known as a champion uh, for water-based initiatives, and uh, uh, she appears on several websites where they uh, congratulate her uh, for all the legislation she signed or, or supported. So here we have the local uh, champion. I'm sure there are plenty of such people. Oh, um, all over, all over. Right. And then again, we mentioned online some of the great corporations and, and nonprofits that are set into place. One being the, um, I mean, the foodandwaterwatch.org. They're amazing because they not only let you know what is going on where, but uh, what their initiatives are and how you can help them. Uh, that's a great thing. I mean, daily costs always relates things, you know, whether it be to studies of the California drinking water and what journal you can go to, what Open Records Act, you can get information. And then, as we mentioned last time, EWG.org is just an amazing website in terms of all the elements and even in terms of your food and toxicity and what, what you should do in terms of your of, of eating and drinking and what foods that you should get definitely organic so yes there are amazing things going on uh and people that are pushing 
And you have to find the organization and the group that you firmly want to follow because you can't follow them all. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too, because um, we did mention the last time about Senator Menendez pushing for more money. He pushed a bill through because he said people still from Hurricane Sandy were still devastated. It was 2012, and there were people that have still not had, had resolution. And it had a little bit to do with funding, and it also had to do with uh, then-Governor Christie making sure the money was going towards the businesses first, rather to um, uh, to individual homeowners. And then we would hear about how uh, all of a sudden insurance companies would say, well, this is your second home. We don't have to cover it. Uh, it was great collecting the premiums, but when it came time to pay out, when it's in areas, situations of devastation, such as Sandy, People found their insurance coverage either denied or restricted. And I just yeah. read an article in the paper saying that there was going to be a hike to FEMA flood insurance. And people were so distraught because some of them decided to rebuild their home and elevate it. If you would, if you and you could only get the flood insurance if you did that in certain bad areas, and right. we had announced uh, FEMA had announced an initiative that would modernize the system, by which the the National Flood Insurance Program assessed the risk, determined insurance rates, and they were really worried. People were worried because they said, "Well, what does that mean? You know what it means? It means increased premiums." And they also said they were going to be delayed by one year in terms of the overhaul and even into looking into this. So even the research is put on hold till October 2020. So, I mean, of course, environmental groups and advocates are not happy because they said there is a lack of transparency. And uh-huh. they could say already there's going to be skyrocketing rates that are going to affect people that can least afford it. But isn't that always the case? That is uh, the case. And uh, Nick Curdo, who uh, um, follows what many people would call conspiracy theories, uh, or, you know, Mm -hmm. basically uh, theories that are not uh, uh, pushed forth by uh, more conventional media. um, He was saying that uh, there is uh, um, there, there's a scenario where uh, for clean water and clean air, you might get charged a lot extra for it if they're going to do the filtration. Um, like, let's say you're renting an apartment. Um, oh, if yeah. you want your clean water, they're going to charge you an extra 70 to $100 <laughs> a month um, to have that uh, you know, luxury. And then everyone else will get uh, you know, basically whatever the environment and the water is uh, outside for everybody else. So what uh, Nick so, is saying is that there is a, a definite move within the country to make us very similar to other countries where there is a two-caste system. The very wealthy get the best, and everyone else, because there will be no middle class the way they're going, will be, will be lumped together into um, survival mode people, and everyone else will just get the bare minimum because they can't afford that. And we see that with health insurance. We see that with getting a ticket for an airplane, you know, what can you afford? Well, now economy is economy and economy plus. And even in terms of the FCC is looking to change, you know, the bandwidth and change uh, and change the way um, 
we can get our internet according to uh, what you're willing to pay for. So yeah. there's definitely a move into the haves and have-nots within this country. Whether people want to believe it or not, I don't think you have to even think in terms of conspiracy. It's happening already here, no matter what it is, you know. So should be interesting to see. And with that, I would just add, even though it's off-topic with um, our uh, Atlantis okay. theme, um just in terms of uh, of insurance, what's going on? Uh, I did mention once about the lobbyists that there are two with the, with their optimal wellness. My how our themes cross over Hercules. Yes, they do. <laughs> the optimal wellness. We talked about the pharma industry having two lobbyists for every congressman, and that the health insurance business is the number one lobbyist in this country and with that how many people think that no matter uh, what candidates say in terms of being a presidential candidate and what they'd like to see how many think they're going to be able to do away with private insurance companies knowing that bit of information and do you really think medicare for all or socialized medicine even stands a chance in this country not as long as you have that kind of power no, uh, but again, exposing the problem and the nature of it and the scope of it uh, is a good first uh, step because uh, more and more people are becoming affected uh, right. by this. And you're right, I, and, you're right. And, and also there is very little effort to even sugarcoat what's happening anymore. It's blatant. And yeah, when so that's, we, that's yeah. Most definitely. And you're right. When when we know the causes and the reasons, then we have to address it. You don't address the disease. You address what prompted it in the beginning. Like, why is this happening? And once you know that, then you can put your efforts in another way. So if you're, you're addressing candidates and say, okay, you want Medicare for all, well, how are you first going to deal with the number one lobbyist, which, which is health care. How are you going to deal with them? How is the government going to deal with this industry? Let's bring the real problem up first, just as we should do with water, you know, with the EPA, with people um, damaging these corporations getting away and getting a fine or getting slapped on the hand. And, and some of the EPA regulations say, let's not find them. Let's ease the regulations. Let them do what they're doing. So, um, yeah, you have to look to the cause. And uh, that, again, that's looking for today and not thinking about tomorrow. Uh, and uh, now, again, through the conspiracy uh, websites and through the conspiracy uh, podcasts, uh, it seems that uh, people in the 1% are building survival shelters in places like New Zealand. Uh, where, where whatever happens on the surface won't touch them uh, as much. Uh, right. So, you know, there's also uh, a talk of uh, secret space programs and uh, explaining why all of a sudden we have all this information on habitable planets where before they were claiming there were no habitable planets uh, beyond right. the Earth. So, again, I don't know what the truth of these is, uh, but even if it's a projection of people's fears, uh, they're justified fears. People are very concerned with uh, 
what is going on on our planet and what we ourselves are doing to our planet. So right. uh, it's a wake-up call. Definitely. And, and the one great thing is that the Internet does afford you access to these groups who are focused on specific problems, whether it be the algae blooms, whether it be contamination of water, uh, whether it be certain bills that are being brought to the House and to Congress to uh, rectify the situations that we wouldn't know about. And having that knowledge and especially the Open Records Act, which means it has to be forth and they have to go through a you know, a whole thing to get them and, and apply for it. But once you have them, it's out in the open. So that's how we know what the EPA is looking to do in terms of, um, you know, deregulating uh, some of these horrific uh, situations. You're deregulating clean water and clean air. And where and how, that's the big thing. Not just the total blanket. Let's see where they're going, whether it be um, our national parks, because that's an issue. Um, whether it be Nestles going in and, and defying a federal uh, permit that they lost a long time ago and basically stealing how many millions of gallons of water and bottling it and selling it. These are things that we need to know and address and then work with these organizations, find the petitions, um, contact your representative and your congressman and let them know how you feel. And that's a good place to start wrapping up our segment because it's almost uh, the end of it. And uh, before we close, I will uh, share with people to get in touch with Astrid. You can do so through uh, me, uh, either on Facebook or by email, hercules.invictus at gmail.com, uh, or uh, through the podcast, which you can access on Blog Talk uh, Radio On Demand. Uh, and what action we've taken aside from creating a separate podcast for uh, the Atlantis Project, which will be coming very soon. Um, we've been discussing it in our current uh, podcast. And uh, one of my uh, Facebook groups uh, called Age of Heroes Mythic Atlantis is serving as a temporary home for the Atlantis uh, Project. Uh, and very soon it will have its own group. And uh, in this group will be all the tools and all the information you need to make decisions on your own and to take action uh, that feels right for you. So those are the first steps of working on them. In the past, the Atlantis Project had uh, monthly uh, um, informational sessions in a local library, and it had an event a few years ago. So those will be coming back as well as we uh, strengthen and build upon the Atlantis Project. If you have strong uh, beliefs or if you have information or uh, if you know of a worthy organization, and some people have already suggested some of them, uh, we will gladly get in contact with them and interview them or interview you on the show. So uh, we will be back after a brief break. We will listen to King of Dreams by Baron Kerdorian, and then we'll be back with Astrid again and the Sussex Report and the Four Elements. And we're going to try to squeeze a whole lot in. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> Time during the night 
Welcome back to the Elysium Project. Tonight we're on the path of public service and we continue our show with Astrid and the Sussex Report and the Four Elements, a brand new show. Greetings and welcome back, Astrid. Greetings, Hercules. And it's nice to see, you know, that besides organizations and advocates who are out there, you know, pushing for for our future that there are also organizations and advocates pushing for communities and living today. That is most certainly true. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Sussex County. I'm not going to go into full detail. I'll definitely send you information for sites and events because there are so many things going on and, and the organizations that extend to the community and put out a helping hand, it's just fantastic. And I'm going to start with, with the season coming up, there is something called the Festival of Lights or Lights of Life. Uh, the Newton Medical Center, which is the hospital of Sussex County uh, that I know, all of that's in Newton, uh, just had a really beautiful festival. And uh, theirs was the Festival of Lights. It was last weekend. And um, it basically is coupled with the hospital and the McCracken home. It's a funeral home, and and it's in his memory. And I think it's gone on for quite a while where they have – they bring some beautiful – Lights and to brighten the hospital and and the, the those that are in the hospital through a display of lights, and he started it by stringing Mr. McCracken started it by stringing lights in the garage of the funeral home, and now it's close to three decades and the theme has remained but it's grown so much in terms of community outreach and supporting the uh, initiative of the hospital. So that happened, and it was supported by many programs with donations, uh, and that will affect facility enhancement, education, equipment, medical technology, and there are a lot of great programs at that hospital. If you ever go to their site or go to the um, Chamber of Commerce and, and, and hook up onto Newton Memorial, you will see there are a lot of amazing health programs for people of all ages, uh, all kinds of issues. They're, they're very, very um, supportive of the community. And on that note, we also have the Karen Ann Quinlan Lights of Light Tree Lights. Yeah. It is so beautiful. Now, you partook of the uh, butterfly release with me up in um, Milford, PA. That was and beautiful. They, wasn't it gorgeous? And they do another thing, which is called the tree, the Lights of Life, and it's a memorial to uh, your loved one that's passed on. Doesn't matter if it's a person or a pet, because they are loved. And it will be occurring in three places: Warren County on December third at the Wayne Dumont Administration Building in Belvedere, 
uh, December 4th in Sussex County at the Community College, and that's in Newton. And then December 5th, up in Pike County, which is Milford, PA. And this will be at the Church of the Good Shepherd in Milford. And what they do is they illuminate a beautiful tree with lights that are representative of all those souls that have passed on. And for a $20 fee, you can have their, the, your loved one's name memorialized. They will read names and who is offering you know, a donation in their name at that event. Uh, there are other um, sponsorships you can do if you want to give more money, and that would be the Lennox sponsorship and the Star sponsorship. Uh, but it's just so nice to include people that you want to remember and you want them to, to feel they're remembered. It's just a beautiful tribute to one that's passed on. Um, yeah. That was usually uh, seven to eight. Yeah, it's great, and you could contact. Wonderful, it was very touching, and uh, it is. uh, It's it's very well done, very well done, and you could contact the Karen Ann Quinlan home, which is at uh, 99 Sparta Ave, or you can go online, or you can call them on the phone, 800-882-1117, and find out about it. Also, they're having a 50-50 raffle. You can go online and purchase tickets there for $5, and they only sell 4,000 tickets. So for $5, you have a good chance you can win up to $10,000. And the way that works is it's called Half for Hospice. And that drawing is December 11th, so you have time to purchase the tickets. Last year's winner won $9,000, over $9,000. So uh, there you're doing something wonderful for a magnificent organization that puts itself out there for people that are going through, you know, their final days for families. They have grief counseling. You can go to their site and find out about the grief counseling. You know, holidays are tough when you lose uh, a loved one. And uh, having something like a center with people that truly understand and put together program that's programs that are so supportive, it's, it's just wonderful. So I recommend that people check out their sites, and I will send you that info. And, of course, food pantries are direly in need. They said they have bare shelf syndrome. So anyone in Sussex County who is willing to uh, donate some food to the food pantries, because they have limited donations right now, there are roughly 20 food pantries in Newton, Sparta, Sussex, and Vernon. Several are affiliated with local churches. And another one are just basically organizations, or you can do them through uh, churches. You can actually go right online and find out or get send that information. And they wanted people to know that the need is very great starting for, from Thanksgiving, actually. There are places that will collect turkeys or collect um, side dishes, and I, I will mention one other place in a, in a little bit about that. But uh, they talk about the non-perishable goods like soups, stews, tuna, cold and hot cereals, beans, snacks, vegetables, peanut butter, jelly, pasta, and sauces and personal toiletries. They said the food pantry produce, uh, provides for quite a few numbers of family families, and the need is really, really great, and it goes just to people in Sussex County. So that's interesting. And they also have Stuff the Bus. This is an amazing Amazing event. It is basically they're looking for turkeys, 
and for um, loading up the food pantry at 83 Spring Street in Newton or go to Mohawk House. All Sussex County police stations are accepted, accepting donated turkeys as well. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, isn't that amazing? And they said this pantry regularly feeds 2,000 residents a month. Isn't that amazing? In addition mm-hmm. to providing supplies to 35 other community and church-run food banks. So obviously you can get in touch with this one particularly, particular uh, food pantry, it's the county one, and they will distribute it to others you know, as they see fit, which is really wonderful. And that's in, in, they're involved with the County Department of Health and Human Services. They oversee the food pantry. So this stuff, the bus thing, started over a decade ago. And it's basically neighbors helping neighbors. And uh, the food drive kicks off Friday the 22nd this week, continues through the weekend. And you can drop and donate a turkey off at, at the pantry, like I said, or at the, the Mohawk House restaurant, which is amazing, or any police station. And it's being sponsored by WSUS, WNNJ, Max 106.3, Nielsen Automotive, the Mohawk House, First Hope Bank, Ronecco Supermarkets, and the Sussex County Association of Chiefs of Police. There you go. Wow. Another is, good thing. Awesome. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? It is, is great. I have mentioned the free parenting classes for teens. There is also a parenting program for dads. And um, they're basically through Project Self-Sufficiency. I will pass that information again to you. And then... Um, uh, Lafayette Federated Church is opening as a drop-off site for global Christmas projects. So it's two Sussex County churches will be amongst 5,000 drop-off locations collecting shoebox gifts for kids in need around the world through Operation Christmas Child. And uh, that is basically a Christian relief program and an evangelical organization. And you can basically get in touch with Lafayette Federated Church. Besides that, we also have <laughs> yes, this one. This is one I did not know about. Family Promise of Sussex County. Their theme I love: building communities, strengthening lives. Oh, that is beautiful, and they're looking for new winter coats. They have other programs. You can contact them at 973-579-1180 or go online to info at org, And they have info on emergency shelters for people, rapid rehousing programs, life skills seminars. So these are definite ways to help people when they're desperate, a desperate time of need, when you have no place to go or if you cannot afford a place, they will work with you. Now, the coats, you basically can drop them off at their site, which is 19 Church Street in Newton, or they have other collection boxes, and that would be in Newton, the main library, the Dennis Branch, Walmart, Thor Labs, Newton Police Department, McGuire Chevrolet, Barnhill Rehab, Baleville Congregational Church, Holiday Inn Express, and the First Presbyterian Church, 
And wow. then, it, wait, there's more. In Branchville, the First Presbyterian Church in Franklin, K&P Holistic Health and Fitness, and the Franklin Branch of the Library, and Stanhope, the Louis Child, Louise Childs Branch, in Vernon, the Dorothy Henry Branch, and in Wantage, the Sussex Wantage Branch. So the li- all the libraries seem to be uh, opened up for that, too. Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. And uh, it seems that uh, despite all the challenges uh, facing Sussex County, uh, there are a lot of people uh, banding together or working on their own to make things uh, better for everybody. That is that is awesome. Definitely, definitely. And there are two fun little items here. So, I mean, I remember going in the car with my parents and my brother, and for an amusement, you would drive around and check out the houses that were lit up. It was just so much fun. You could spend the whole night doing that and come home and have hot chocolate. And that was in Passaic County when I did not live here. <laughs> but uh, there are two types of, um, of, of light shows, one being the very famous Frankfurt Christmas Light Show and the Village, and that is taking place. It says here it started, when is it, November? Oh, it starts November 20th. And it is um, basically, um, I say Fridays to Sundays? Yes, yeah, so it's the weekend, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and then you can pay $20 with your vehicle and drive around. It's by the Skyland Stadium in Augusta. And you pay $20, you just drive around this whole area and see tons of lights and displays, similar to what I've seen in Florida, actually. You know, so that's absolutely stunning, and it's reasonable. I mean, you can have a whole car load. It doesn't say how many. Just make it safe, that's all. And this year, Vernon Lights Festival is starting. And that will be lantern displays, food trucks, family music, cultural performances, vendors, 5 to 10, Fridays to Sundays, starting from November 29th. Now, it says 15 to $20 here, I guess an individual, and $55 a family. And that's at the Glenwood Lakes Art Park. So, wow. yeah, <laughs> you can just condense going and driving all over the county to one area and see it just all in one place. Yeah, yes, you can. And uh, the county, the large, is certainly navigable yeah. by in not too long a time. So uh, that right, is uh, right. incredibly awesome. You live right. in a wonderful yeah. place, Astrid. Well, you know, I, I don't even know if there are homes that even that run around now and, and where you can, like, uh, see lights anymore in a large area. You know, because, let's face it, it gets expensive to put on all those lights and to have them running. That 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 is very true, but fortunately, there you, go. you can save your gas. You can go in one place. <laughs> yes. There you go. So so those are some I, of the little tidbits. <laughs> I used to like uh, when I used to drive years ago uh, during the holiday season. I used to like taking back roads because you never you'd always find people decorating their their lawns and their houses. Oh yeah. Uh, in awesome ways and. Uh, Never would have come to my attention if I was just uh, worried about getting from point A to point B. So I used to budget some time to to just uh, meander and let the universe take me uh, where it would for an hour or two. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are fond memories we have. And and, uh, now you can do is just go to one huge place and pay a fee and save on the gas. Uh, 
I think that I will give you all the information. If I don't get it to you tonight, I'm going to try and get some of it tonight online for you. So you okay. can, um, can um, post it. And I'd like to go into the four elements and start with something right here in Sussex County. And this is a good thing because we've talked about what happened in Vernon with that dump site. And it was like a 75 a foot tall pile of waste and burning and how long did that go on until finally with the help of the organizations constantly neighbors just constantly appealing to this state then having the uh interceded help with uh, from um got josh godheimer representative wonderful he, he pushed for them to do something and then there was a decision made and that is he had to remove all this, and he had to pay for restoration. And if he did not stop this particular man in Vernon uh, with the illegal dumping, they were going to take over control of his assets. And it happened. So in a, in a decision made by the court, Superior Court Judge, I can't even see all the names, Maritza Berdotti Byrne. Okay, she appointed a receiver to take control of the assets belonging to Joseph Wallace, who spent years using his property as an illegal dump. They are going to marshal the assets, hire personnel to make sure the work is done right because he has not done it. They want no environmental contamination. They said that he has consistently avoided obligations imposed upon him by the court. Therefore... It's very rare for courts to do this, but they are doing it because they said three court orders and he completely ignored them. So this is interesting. And it's nice to see that finally something is being done there. Oh, and he even wanted a postponement, but they just said, forget it. They rejected the request and they said it is time for this to be done. He had to uh, turn over documentations related to his waste pile, characterize the materials making it up, place funds into escrow for future cleanup, implement a soil erosion and sediment control plan for his property. How about that? And he said he's done none of it. Therefore, they said all across the state, we're taking on polluters using all the tools available to us. And that, that is, is a quote by the Attorney General. Gruel, he's wonderful, Gruel. He's wonderful. You know, we have a very proactive Attorney General. And they're saying that we, it's time to get aggressive with these dirt dumpers, that it's not just Vernon. Just Vernon was so horrific and went on for so long. And uh, so it's glad to, I'm really glad to see something happening for that community because it, it, for a while there it looked like nothing was going to happen. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, he was we, a great. We were speculating about that as, as to whether anything would happen uh, a while ago. So I'm glad right. that something is. Well, it seems that it was done on a, a perfectly logical timeline. That it wasn't just stay after stay after stay, appeal after appeal after appeal, pushing back the dates like you always hear happening in court. So that was very, very, very positive news. And uh, I'm sure you, can, you know that we've all are lamenting the fact that the United States withdrew from the Global Paris Climate Agreement, the only yes. industrialized nation. How sad. But there is a resolution. It's called SRES 404. 
that demands that the U.S. get back in the Paris Climate Agreement immediately. And the senators, our senators, Robert Menendez and Cory Booker, are in the mix pushing for this. So uh, this one particular uh, group, which is a, uh, let me see, they're related to climate change, is called Win Without War Education Fund. They would like people to contact Menendez and Booker for co-sponsoring. They they are co-sponsoring this bill. And it's Senator Cardin's resolution to keep the U.S. in the Paris Climate Agreement. So I will send that link if anyone would like to sign this petition and to thank our senators for being proactive as not just following it and and voting for it, but co-sponsoring this bill. That is wonderful. Yes, that that is extremely uh, wonderful. Um, That is awesome. I'd love to share that information. Uh, Bill Whitman, whose segment is coming on later, uh, just emailed me some resources for uh, environmental, uh, um, taking care of environmental activism, um, so I'm going to be adding those to the list as well. Wonderful. Yeah, J- Bill is a Johnny on the spot. We'll have to say Bill on the spot with all this information. Yeah. He has a wealth of information. And then I, I had read a, um, uh, a an article in the paper. You know, it's opinion section where you place your little uh, your beliefs. And I love this particular comment by this person and um, they're talking about um, making New Jersey the innovative state on climate change because the climate crisis is something that can be solved by the very industry responsible for creating it but this person argues that it's misleading it is nothing more than a full-throated defense of big oil ignoring the price our communities will be forced to shoulder alone so in other words they do not want to see any special plans or changes in the hands of the fossil fuel industry because this person is saying, well, they're aware of the damage it caused. They could have let a transition to clean energy starting in the 70s. Instead, they prioritize short-term profits over our safety and security. And they said, well, climate change is a global issue, not the fault of any one company or industry. Well, this person retorts while climate change is felt globally we can trace 71 percent of emissions to just 100 companies since 1988 and who are the the biggest offenders oil giants like exxon mobil shell bp and chevron so basically what they're saying is that um, businesses and corporations have a major role to play in addressing it, but they cannot be trusted. Just like the tobacco and the opioid cases, the courts have to hold big oil accountable. And this is true, and this is a very well-written letter to the editor saying, and this is the pushback that we're saying, that not just countries and organizations, but individuals are pushing back, saying, well, why do we have to all bear the brunt of corporate greed? Right. They've known this all along, whether it be VW with emissions or problems with cars or, or the big oil industries with, with, with pollution, whether it be air, water, or earth, that it's time to hold them accountable. And this even goes back to that horrific 
fire situation in California because Californians are so aggravated. They say they, they fight the fires, they do what they can to be pro-environment, and then Trump fights the antidote by making changes to the rules. Certain things are supposed to be state-mandated. Well, they change things. Um, as they look at all the different studies with fossil fuels and the severe fires in the West, they say the biggest change, the biggest climate change will bring more threats to California, more droughts, devastating the farmers, warming the waters, uh, the fisheries, spurring growth of toxic algae. Oh, here we are again. Rising the sea levels and eroding two-thirds of the beaches by 2100. And they, the Trump administration moved this summer to eliminate California's authority under the, clear, the Clean Air Act to set standards on planet warming tailpipe pollutions that are stricter than those set by the federal government because the EPA deregulated, they lessened them, so it's, it's less stringent, which means more pollution in the air. California was working with about, I don't know how many car car companies, I don't know, but three or four of them that were agreeing to make the tail, yeah. tailpipe pollution um, the law is stricter than those set by the federal government. Well, guess what? They basically threatened to withhold highway funding, open an antitrust investigation into California. How dare they deal with the car, mer- car makers? And so they had filed a suit to block part of a state initiative to limit greenhouse gases from power plants, arguing that it was a regional cap-and-trade system and it was unlawful. How about that? Not good. No, but here we are with the governor saying we've got to reshape utility. He's not – California will not stand for a lot of these things because they're bearing the brunt of it. And they were definitely going to have to work with PG&E, which is the uh, one power company where so much has occurred. And, of course, they're so worried now, PG&E, because they're going to be lawsuits. And their future does not look good because of the very fact that um, how are they going to pay all these victims? Well, it's their own fault because they never maintained the equipment for 35 years. And here again, we're looking at accountability. Do stakeholders have to pay for it? I mean, there have been – the management is horrific. They had years of neglect. They didn't maintain the power lines and the towers. They did not keep trees and brush clear from them. They are imposing power shutoffs across huge areas. And they even had, just recently, the last fire, their equipment drew off sparks, which caused the fire to spread even yeah. more. Because it's, it's antiquated, and it's vulnerable to weather. So this should be interesting, because they're facing an estimated $30 million in liabilities to, from the wildfires attributed to their equipment. They filed for bankruptcy. So at this point, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out, because uh, two competing groups dominated by hedge funds that own them have presented plans for putting the company back on their feet. So um, they're talking about, the governor's talking about having some kind of radical overhaul and oversight, because you really have to start watching 
what's going on in terms of how much is profit and how well are you protecting, you know, your um, the people that are paying for the electricity. I mean, this is a utility, but people are paying for it. It's not free. And they right. have, as yes, I understand you want to have profits for your shareholders because that's where the money went rather than to maintaining equipment. Well, what about the people that have to live with this now? So this should be interesting to see this this pushback. Yes, that should be very interesting to see how that uh, plays out and uh, how it's uh, finally uh, resolved. But that's a very important question. And uh, we seem to live in a society that sometimes avoids asking the <laughs> the basic questions and, and right, right. things happening and, on the side. Right. And, and let's look at Europe now, because Germany has passed a law to emphasize climate targets, and they're looking at different ways they can target things that happen that are effective. And one would be adding a fee for carbon emissions, carbon emissions, and make flying more expensive. Well, it's wonderful if you're Berlin and you're Germany, and the Deutsche Mark is so strong and powerful, and it's the largest. Germany is the largest European economy. So yes, they have uh, sought for years to revolutionize, uh, revolutionize its energy sector by replacing fossil fuels with renewable energy. We know that, but at the same time, you know, how are you going to take additional steps? Because um, they're talking about domestic carbon pricing scheme, which will force companies to pay an, an initial 10 euros, about $11, for a ton of carbon dioxide emissions from heating and transportation. Well, this should be interesting to see what happens, because, you know, once you put a fee on a corporation to regulate things, they're only going to pass the fees on. Same with the airlines. You know, if you're looking at um, increasing taxes on airlines, and then ticket prices are going to go up. Right. So that's an issue, again, as we say, for the everyday man. And businesses will pass on um, uh, that fee to consumers as well. But the, the thing that amazes me when I hear this is that uh, whether it be this, because that still doesn't alleviate the problem. By taxing these companies, they're still going to do it. They'll just have less of a, of a uh, profit. You're only stopping certain people, small businesses and regular people. But then there also is the um, a little parallel here because there are studies about how cities are taming cars. And they're looking for innovative ways to limit and reduce auto congestion and pollution. And um, here are some things that they're doing in other other cities. Because they're saying that people are disgusted in the cities with the amount of pollution and that it doesn't really affect the um, the rural areas as much because they have the clean air. True, but a lot depends on transportation. And as we know, Europe and Asian countries have unbelievable mass transportation. They have the alternative that we don't have. So here we go. London is tightening limits on pollution. They began in 2003. They started a congestion charge of five pounds, which is about $8 at that time, to drive a truck or car into the city center on weekdays between 7 and 6. It's now 11, uh, 11 pounds and 50 pence. How about that? Wow. And um, 
I think that New York City is looking to adopt that congestion price, but not until 2021. They also have a new ultra-low emissions zone levy on top of the uh, congestion charge. So that's interesting. Now they're looking at other measures to clean up the air. No licenses are offered to black cabs that run on diesel. So there are some things being done there. And then in New Delhi, they're saying they have a real crisis there because it is one of the most polluted cities in the world due to combination of vehicle, industrial, and construction-related emissions and seasonal crop burning. And they have a vast metro system, which is wonderful. They have a certain type of a highway designed to keep cargo trucks out of the city and some other restrictions on the older um, uh, older vehicles. But they said it's made no dent against the new motorcycles, cars, and trucks coming on the roads now. So that should be interesting because they, they have unbelievable air pollution there. Beijing has a license plate lottery. Oh, That's interesting. A license plate lottery. The number in vehicles in Beijing tripled to five million in 2011. Wow, and that's when that, that's when it became notorious for its bad air. Well, there are other things as we know as well because they have, you know, they they use Beijing uses coal, and um, you know, so besides cars and flying, you know, a lot of flights. They also have the issue of uh, pollution due to um, fine air particulate pollution from their factories. And Madrid has a whole debate about what they're going to do. They have out one of the toughest auto restrictions in the world. So fines for violators. So that's interesting because the EU. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fees, but again, you know, fees are only going to stop the regular people, you know, the regular people that, that can't afford it. And what about, the, you know, uber wealthy people that are in their limos or this or that or, or whatever, and letting the fumes build up because they really don't have a care in the world. And, again, it goes back to the fact that Europe has a lot more choices than we have because we don't have mass transportation. We're a young country, you know, when the car industry saw that they were going to make lots of money, they made sure that the trains and the mass transportation went to the wayside. And I'm sure Bill can attest to this. He knows a lot more than I do over the fact that people in Sussex County have been waiting for a rail system and widened roads for I don't know how long because Sussex County, they talk about people commuting 45 minutes to an hour. Try Sussex County, where people are commuting a minimum of an hour to an hour and a half. And I know a lot of people that were traveling two hours one way. And that is wow. without accidents or snowstorms. Wow. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I certainly sympathize with them. I've had long commutes for a big chunk of my life. So, right. uh, an hour, two hours of day going each going to and from work and right, uh, they're right. your life right and then you're talking about the adding to the pollution you're also talking about you know high payments uh, for your your gas in order to go back and forth to work the loss of time back and forth the stress uh the dangers on route 80 
I mean, please. Um, and then all the building going on on Route 15. I mean, there's just now a huge Romano complex with ShopRite and three different units, building units going up, um, assisted living, one-family homes, and I think townhouses. And that on a road, you know, 15, that the 206 into the 15, that is basically one lane in each direction. Can you imagine? Unfortunately, I can. Um, and uh, our time for the second segment is uh, uh, wrapping up, and you're going to be on Bill's segment as well, which will be here after the song. Um, oh, wonderful! But I'm, I'm hoping that he'll want to address the uh, that uh, the issue with um, throwing out, not throwing out. I shouldn't word it that way. The issue with a challenge to the Democratic chair in New Jersey, who is John Curry. And the reasons behind it, because as we say, you don't look at the results or what's facing you. Go further back. Look at from the big question all the way back to the symptoms. And that is an awesome thing to pick up, an awesome topic. We're going to take a brief break, and we are going to listen to Goddess of Wisdom by Lori Lynn. And mm. I've never heard so I'm looking forward to hearing that and then we'll be back with Astrid and Bill Wayman thank you thank you
Greetings and welcome back to the Elysium Project. I am Hercules Invictus, and we continue with our issues-focused marathon that started with the Age of Heroes, uh, continued with the Atlantis Project, then went on to the Sussex Report, then the Four Elements, and now we're in Eye on Northern New Jersey with uh, Bill Waitman. Uh, before I start this uh, segment, I'm going to read our disclaimer. Um, Aristotle suggested that entertaining new thoughts without feeling obligated to accept them is a wise practice to cultivate. We agree. Our Olympian podcast explore interesting thoughts and viewpoints on a variety of topics, including health, religion, and politics. Our exploration is one of personal opinions and sometimes systems of belief. Our discussions in this forum, though sincere and enthusiastic, are not to be construed as Olympian endorsements of any particular point of view. Uh, we're here to share our thoughts and opinions on things that are happening in our world. So um, please approach this with an open mind. Now, without further ado, I'll introduce uh, Astrid and uh, Bill Waitman. Greetings and welcome. Greetings again. And, and Bill, I hope you're doing better today. You know, strangely... They told me it would take five days, <laughs> but I feel a lot better. <laughs> well, take uh, it slowly, though, because we both know, you know, as you, you get these things and, and you take your antibiotics, or you take your medication, you rest, and then we're so busy to jump back into action. And then you uh, get a relapse. So care. Cuidado, Bill. Careful. I will. I, I promise I will. Uh, Good. I, I, Really worried about this this afternoon. I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but there was little pain. Uh, and uh, I wasn't supposed to drive home, but I knew where I was, and my wife didn't. <laughs> and even, even with the little uh, you know, guidance from uh, 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 traffic, uh, whatever it is, uh, I still knew the right roads. <laughs> and that machine screwed me over a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Have a, a bright aspect. I, I, You know, you two brought up a, two, uh, a question about uh, our local uh, state chair in New Jersey. I, I don't know. I assume it might be coming from South Jersey because they feel they're getting cheated so much. Uh, well, uh, it, it, first, I think we have to let our listeners know what we're talking about. We have Mr. John Curry who is the chairperson of the New Jersey Democratic Party. And he has been the chairperson since June 2013. He's also the chair for 27 years of the Passaic County Democrats and a co-chair of the Democratic Party on National Committee credentials. Uh, the man is very learned. He's involved with a lot in terms of even volunteerism with, with churches, different organizations, with the YW and YMCAs. Um, he's also on the commissioner of the Board of Elections, was appointed by then Governor Whitman in 1998. And he has brought the Democratic Party to a great place in New Jersey and a lot of emphasis on taking care of all. So the, the man is a great guy. He really is. I have met him personally at different functions, he is a very learned man. He's a very uh, – he's got great demeanor. He really does. He's just a very pleasant person to be around. Nobody has ever challenged him before, and now he has a challenge for his seat. Well, they're 
are they looking at this? Are they looking, are they look, New Jersey lost its first Democratic uh, seat in I don't know how many years, since 2007. In right. The past, and we lost uh, two assembly seats. Uh, right. But meanwhile, we have been under him. We have been gaining unbelievably. Unbelievably. I, I, I don't know where it, it comes from. I don't know. I always think South Jersey because uh, I spent – I know Steve Sweeney. I actually uh, – Yes, did a I have been acquainted with him. But we will say the challenger, and this is interesting, he is from Essex County. He is the party chair, Democratic Party chair of Essex County, Leroy Jones. And this will come up for a vote. Of course, the um, it's 114 voting uh, members within the uh, the party. But usually you'll have people, the um, the chairs of each individual um, organizations, like the say county organization and this organization or the counties, to um, you know endorse. And you're right, South sure. Jersey is coming out for this Leroy. And it is interesting to note that Mr. Leroy Jones, even though he yeah. is from Essex County, oh wait a minute. Does that ring of Di Vincenzo? Yes. Isn't Di Vincenzo uh, and the Essex County man? Of course. And who is Di Vincenzo friends with? Sweeney. And for those that don't know, uh, Steve Sweeney is the state president, the Senate president for um, the party. And uh, the word is, if, if people know, he really wanted to be Governor Sweeney. When... Um, Christie was was doing his thing. Most people were were very very frightened and intimidated by him because with all the information that he had um, at his fingertips, you know he was a former crop prosecutor. Just imagine. But uh, more than that, he just was not a pleasant person to be around. You know, just growling all the time and very obnoxious. Um, and Sweeney would would kind of um, establish these little. Uh, I don't know how you would say partnerships with him, and one of those little things resulted in Chapter Seventy-Eight. Not a good thing for the for nope. state educators, because what Chapter Seventy-Eight meant is that in order to pare down the budget, they were going to pass health care costs, which were one of the few benefits you has as a teacher. As a matter of fact, people would say, "Oh yeah, become a teacher." The pay is not that great. It takes a long time to to get anywhere, yeah. but you have great health benefits. Well, I know I know my wife is a teacher, a retired teacher. She retired uh, early, and mm. she's worried about her health coverage because, like me, I thought I I could have made more money than I made in state government. She actually made more than me. She worked in Newark, uh, but they're fooling around with the health insurance. They're transferring uh, state workers and teachers, some without choice, I understand from some like teachers in Newark, uh, to Aetna. And I kind of, uh, as a state worker, and I, like Steve Sweeney, I did a project for his union where I created a test. If you know, uh, I did it with ACT, which uh, American College Testing, which probably angered, uh, you know, our own testing uh, uh, thing down in, I guess it's in Prince. Oh, sure. But uh, he, he's always promised me money to run for office. He never gave me a dime, as long as he sent. He also says that being he was the head of the union for was the pipe fitters. 
I'm not really sure. Okay. But he always said, I'm very pro-union. I I, I had a union. Yet he worked behind the scenes with Christie to push this Chapter 78. And 78, for those that don't know, it meant pushing costs onto the employees. All right. Well, you say the private sector does that. But what they don't know is that the way it was done was horrific. Um, you didn't just pay a percentage, a flat fee, depending on what your salary was, because let's face it, flat fee, and that's how they should do tax reform in, in this country, flat fee would mean you're paying a certain percentage of your income. Everybody's paying the same percentage. If you have a low income, you're not going to be paying that much. If you have a high income, you should be paying more. But what happened is they did a sliding rule. So if you were a uh, within one to five years, you're only paying like 7%. And then as you go along, you pay more. Well, people that were making money because they've been there 20 to 30 years were now being told, yeah, you're starting at a higher percentage and you're going to top off at like 33 point something percent. Wow. Well, let me ask you uh, what is the state legislature doing? What is the uh, I mean? What they is the governor are, doing? This governor is going to make changes. He's already pushing changes. Now you have Sweeney on the opposite side, because well, you see, this Sweeney is always putting barricade obstacles on Murphy, because most people don't realize that Sweeney wanted to be the Democratic candidate for governor, and Curry was instrumental. And having Mr. Murphy do it. You know, he's a learned man. He has a lot of great ideas in terms of investments. He does not have the baggage that well, Mr. Sweeney you know, has. <laughs> you know, in our own county, police and fire, uh, fire I don't know uh, how many are, uh, volunteers have done it. I'm sure maybe in Newton or something, the uh, fire department is, uh, you know, uh, a state paid or state benefit union. But, right. Uh, the police, the fire, the teachers, state workers, maybe county workers. We, we we did work for cheap wages. And I worked with some people that were outstanding. I mean, they had great backgrounds. We did a lot of good things. We, 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 st- we were talking about uh, I was trained. We worked, we worked on getting Amtrak running in New Jersey, the uh, high-speed line. We had to deal with a stupid idiot governor who you brought up, Whitman. I actually... Uh, I was angry at her. I was a state worker, and I wrote a piece on Senator Littell, who uh, is from our uh, – he's now dead, but he's from our home county. And he was a good friend of mine, even though he was the opposite party. I guess you can love Republicans, too, at times. Of course. Uh, you know it's, you know what? It's the individual. It's not the party because there are no. people on both sides that have their own little games going on. But you just listed two bosses. Now, one – uh, I have a, a Senate friend from uh, West Orange uh, with the uh, Essex County chair, and he made life miserable. The guy who actually was governor, uh, he, I thought he would run against for governor, and that's Richard Cody, who lives in okay. Rose, I go, yes. West Orange. I know him and quite well from events, yeah. He's a decent guy. Uh, yes, he is. He was a lollipop like Kojak, if you remember the old CMTV. Right, right. But they gave him hell. They didn't want, you know, he didn't run for governor. He had a shot to do it. Uh, he stepped back. He wrote a book and then stepped back. He should have ran again, <laughs> get the book going. But uh, Sweeney's been a thorn in, uh, in our sides. And uh, but it's going to be hard, uh, hard. State workers, it's a matter of loyalty. People don't realize we 
do a lot of valuable things. Teachers do a lot of valuable things. My wife was a two-term winner of the uh, Governor's Award. Uh, she received the first honor under Governor Florio. Um, but it, it, it's, it's across the board. Uh, buying their own, many teachers in many schools buy their own, uh, you know, materials. Uh, in North, I would say yes, have- and all other, because I did as well, and at least you were able to write off a certain amount. Now, under this tax reform in the federal government, you can't even do that. So, I mean, they're actually impeding teachers from spending money because you can't even write it off. Uh, well, this is interesting because besides that chapter – 78, which altered our benefits drastically with us paying, like I said, if you were on the top scale and you and your contracts never moved and you never had a contract like Patterson for four to five years, you were actually going in the red. You were paying so much out of your own pocket for your medical benefits uh, you know, as you went along. It was horrible. But uh, now Sweeney is proposing this new um, – new way of, of, of doing things, this new major proposal, it is uh, merging them into regional districts while the state merger, uh, state workers would see major changes in their health benefits. Again, no longer get defined pensions. Oh, I have a problem with that. This is a 27-bill package. I just, uh, with my state, uh, I, I was a union uh, vice president of AFSCME, and I was a shop steward. That's the American Federation of State, whatever it is, federal employees, um, municipal employees. And I was with the other state uh, union when I left. I was a shop steward in Trenton in the, in the mm-hmm. labor building. And uh, things have been, I can tell you I had a lot of trouble with Governor Whitman. I had a lot of trouble with uh, uh, our last governor, Christy. Uh, I managed oh, he, to was, he sent us back. You know, unbelievably, in all areas. But uh, this is interesting because this, now this major proposal, he's, all he's going to do is say it's going to avoid tax increases and hoping that will do it all for people. But people should know, new state employees, anyone who's been in the public service for five years or less would be thrown into a hybrid pension plan as opposed to a traditional pension plan. Another bill would switch health care plans from, now listen to this, the highest level coverage, that is not true, to the second level package for all public workers. Now, that is not true. We already are getting less because the whole point of what you were getting when you were an employee of the state, because I'm not anymore, you know, I'm not teaching anymore, um, is that that amount, it was like, let's say you're to the point of paying 33%. Well, that is 33% of the plan you choose. Then you go across the whole board, and you have the, tr- the traditional Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, uh, you know, the 10 plan, the 15 plan, but then it goes to PPOs. It had Aetna. it had so much to look at. Then it had the HMOs, and what is it going to be you and your husband? Oh. Is it you, your husband, and children? It was crazy. And you had As to the, study it. <laughs> are you on? Did you uh, get switched to uh, uh, Edna? Yes. Now, let me tell you about this. New okay. Jersey had, because most people don't realize this, what, what it is is that you had your, um, your, your health benefits, the New Jersey Blue Cross Blue Shield, and then um, – that was, as you retired, you know, that you would carry it over. You have a part A, part B, blah, blah, blah. Well, 
there was a change, and it moved over to not having two separate cards, the A and B. It is a condensed card, so it is uh, a um, – oh, there's a word for it, too. I, I can't think of that one word they always use, but it angers me because it's not really true. It depends on the particular plan that your advantage. state has Medicare taken. Advantage. Yeah, it's an advantage plan, but there are different Medicare plus Aetna Advantage plans, which I didn't know until I found, I tried to get that silver sneakers benefit, and I found out, well, if you have the traditional one with the backup of New Jersey Blue Cross Blue Shield, you still can't do it because they did not opt, New Jersey did not opt to get that. But if you have the Advantage plan, then you can have it. So here I am all excited, you know, and I contact Aetna, and they say, well, your state didn't opt for that. They opt for something called global fitness. Well, forget it. You can't even get yeah. in touch with them. So what I'm saying to people is that when you're choosing a plan and be aware of the fact that your choice is what, what the, the deadline was December 3rd, but it depends on when you made your initial start with your policy. There are a multitude of multi Medicare plans, and you have to really study them. And I'm going to send some info to um, Hercules on that to help people out because I'm kind of going uh, – I'm digressing from the situation here of the topic, which was Sweeney in relation to – and South Jersey in relation to North Jersey and Curry. So all this information that Bill and I have been talking about with insurance coverage – well, you one, of the, one second. Right. He does power, uh, but the real force down there, and I don't know how corrupt he is. Norcross. Norcross and Sweeney are birds of a feather, and Norcross and Sweeney are tied together. And many people, I am sure, realize that uh, Norcross is being investigated. He's going before a task force because of the fact that uh, he's a South Jersey power broker, George Norcross. He is before the Senate committee looking into the state's troubled economic incentive program. It was a tax force that gave millions of dollars in tax breaks to corporations, and a lot of the ties were tied to him. So it started. As a matter of fact, there was a group that were basically were protesting, and he, <laughs> he had the state troopers throw a couple of these women out. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I know from personal experience, I, I ran for the assembly a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, I ran against Scott Garrett, who you remember probably. He was. Oh, uh, yes. And I ran against a guy that wound up in motor vehicle. They both, they both beat me. I was the only candidate in Sussex County on the ballot, I think. Okay. I mean, no count, nothing. The Democratic chair eventually went to jail. I don't know why the Sussex County chairs don't go to jail. I think it's the guy above them that should go to jail, though. He's the guy behind the curtain they never hear about, William Winkler. But anyway, uh, I had Congressman Andrews, a young incoming uh, congressman, and a guy named Michael Murphy who was running for governor that uh, year. And uh, Andrews was from uh, Camden County, Cape uh, mm. Four times to help me in that race, he was thinking of running for governor himself. And um, all of a sudden, the rug was pulled out from one other. And it was, it was claimed to be corruption. I don't know how, what it was, but Norcross was the chair. And uh, that continues, you know, everything. I've ran into him. 
I've done projects in Atlantic City. We set up the gambling, you know, when they complain about state workers, we set up gambling in Atlantic City for all the casinos. We did, uh, we uh, studied the jobs, uh, wrote curriculum, uh, and then we uh, tested them. And uh, in those days, in the early days, people were coming down from North Jersey to work in the casinos because they thought it would be big money and good stuff. But then I remember. And uh, I tested lawyers and they said, why are you lawyers going for this job? But um, uh, it, 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 he is part of the problem in this state. There are political bosses. Uh, it is a reason why you don't have candidates on the ballot. And right. I don't know if Murphy to blame because somebody told – I was told by a good friend, a Warren County chair, not to run. And I was going to run for freeholder. And I tell you, and I'm not I'm bragging, I would have beaten even the two assembly candidates. I would have outdrawn them. Because they basically were relying on Sussex County. Maybe they got votes out of the other counties. Uh, 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 we've had the Warren County chair on, on radio. But it's, they don't want to put candidates on the ballot. Uh, look, the whole state is all screwed up. Latell wanted, I said this, I think, last time. Latell, a Republican, wanted rail traffic as well as bus. You, you brought up rail traffic. Oh, definitely. We need it. And I'm sure you know how long that's been proposed. You know the history much I, more than I. They had trains. Tra- I think they had trains until the early 60s. You know, you'll drive down Route 23 in Newfoundland, and you'll see a rail car that says Stockholm. Uh, they used to do oh, county yes. fairs. There. Yeah. That, that was one of the cars. I, and I, I don't know if it went up as far as Jorgensen's uh, in. I mean, instead of being a warehouse or, or now, uh, that one should be a, a bus depot other than the, uh, besides the Catholic Church. Uh, it could be opened as a, you know, restaurant facility, but uh, they sold it. Uh, somebody in our own party, I think, sold it to a, a, a building contractor. It seems like such a waste of time because it's such a beautiful – I'm going far astray. But yeah, let's get back to what goes on up here. But, you know, it's not just up here. It's all over. And you just said that, you know, Norcross and Sweeney are big power brokers. And it had to be a slap in the face for Sweeney when he was told that they really did not, they preferred that he did not throw his hat in for, as a candidate for governorship. And therefore, you see him constantly blocking and arguing with Murphy, who is trying to do so much good for the state in terms of the environment, in terms of workers and unions, again, after what Christie did to unions. And yet he bucks him every every point of the way because, and that's what people have to understand, as we say, don't look as this, at this of of a newer version, like where we say, oh, let's go for something better. Yeah, well, we got Trump, okay? Um, <laughs> well, you're going to look at this Essex County uh, party chair, and I have nothing against Leroy Jones, but he, this is a maneuver by Sweeney to depose of Murphy, get more power, if it's not him, someone else, and a lot of power for the South Jersey Democrats. Uh, people have to look at what is behind this. And if you do, I'm not saying this is something, you know, you should vote this way or that way or you should contact this person, that person, but I'm a firm believer in John Curry. I've seen what he has done. And looking at the foundation being built by what's going on and, and putting this candidate against him, there are many reasons for it, and not one of them is good. And if you feel you want to um, 
show your um, appreciation for John Curry as a uh, either a public employee or as a uh, Democrat, you can go to HTTPS, the, uh, you know, the colon, the two slashes, and www.curryshaferfornjdsc.com. And you can express your interest in keeping him there. Because as we know, it's when you voice your, people think they have no voice. Oh, they're going to vote. Let me tell you, the more people that stand up for a person and people see it, when it comes time to vote, it will be the individual vote, not what the county chairs say. Because at this point, you have... um, 11 that are that have endorsed Jones mostly from South Jersey isn't that unusual when he's from Essex County seven for Curry yeah. three three are neutral but that doesn't mean that the people are going to vote that way uh, incidentally Bergen County and Warren County and our Sussex County are behind Curry so what does that tell you well you know, don't good thing for him he's from Perse County and he works. He did a lot of work. Uh, I saw. I ran into him a couple of times. He showed up. Uh, I was helping a candidate in Wayne with my right. daughter, um, and uh, he showed up at the, uh, uh, the the Democratic Club. They call it a club uh, in, in in Wayne uh, a couple of times. Brought bringing Wayne uh, State County has a slate of all Democrats for freeholders, and Bergen County is pretty heavily Democrat now, and I think they both have sheriffs, but. Uh, yes. It's good that they and they pick up Sussex and uh, Palmieri, or the chair of Wayne. Right, he will always support him. And then the, some well, of the I, other I'll tell uh, you, Bill. I remember a few years ago when Curry came here to the Barrel House to sit down and break bread with Sussex County Democrats. Now mm-hmm. it's a small group, as you know, but he made it an important thing to come and say thank you you know, for, for being a Democrat in Sussex County and, and for supporting me. And he wanted to hear the concerns, you know, of the county. And and uh, that was when Leslie Yoon was the um, the chair for the county here. And re- she recently had moved and had to give up her seat. And now Katie uh, Rotundi is the chair. She's very young. Yes. And she's looking to make some changes. But, uh, no, the man has, has, has put himself... Uh, out there, and not just for one or two groups. He, what he says, he does. He walks. He he, he talks and he does the walk. He he, he is a very likable guy. Uh, yes. And, you know, uh, especially with the you know various county organizations. I left one thing out. I I don't know if he's still active in it, but he has a position in. Uh, I can't think of the town in uh, Passaic County. It's up by us. Near West Milford, it starts with an R. Um, he, I think he still hosts. I think he's the town. Cha- he's the bur- uh, the borough chair in that town, Ringwood. Uh, he's also he's the statewide chair and he's the chair of <laughs> Ringwood, <laughs> which is interesting. No, you brought up good points. It is these are these are old time bosses, and you know you look in Jersey City, and they're probably going to go that way too. This is going to be very close. At, you know. Uh, yes, it is. Jersey- and- I would just hope people are voting for the right reasons and that people see, you know, if you know someone that, that's involved in um, 
in um, the public sector or as a Democrat to look at the whole story. Go further back and research, not what just is put on the plate in front of you as somebody new. You know, I know a lot of uh, political people in Essex County, particularly in Newark. Uh, Barack would be for uh, – he would go along with the, the wrong Blue people boy. anyway. Sure. But uh, I wonder uh, – there's local politicians in the city that I know, uh, and um, I'm surprised that it be – well, that's Essex County. You know, whatever goes, goes. And Hudson County is the same way. I hope there's some – I would hate to say a good chair lose and be replaced. Exactly, especially when you know who is behind endorsing this person and what the catastrophic end result could be. It would be bad. Uh, You know, why would somebody kill off a senator, a former governor and a senator uh, from from, uh, Essex County? You know, it doesn't make sense. But it happens. He, they try to kill him off. He won anyway. Uh, I, I, politics, that's one of the bad things about politics. If people make decisions, to me, that don't make any sense. Uh, the way our district is treated, I'm talking about the 5th and the 24th. Right. And, and there's apportionment and other things are way out. I think uh, I'm going to tell you that, that what happens when our county is somebody comes up and says, you know, we don't want anybody on your ballot. Try to keep it low. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm looking at Franklin and uh, this poor lady. She, she's run for the last six years. She had uh, she got 200 votes. That's not bad. I don't know if she was uh, right in. But it's hard to support her. And, uh, you know, these, these are towns that should be – we could win. We could change the county by putting up the – you know, Ogdensburg. It's not a relative – one side of the street in Ogdensburg has some money. The rest of the town is kind of dirt poor. They used to right. elect Democrats and Republicans from the poor section. I mean, it's a mining town. Franklin is still not all that upper class. And, you you know, you go up to Sussex Borough, uh, it's the same thing. These are towns that the Democrats can can win. But it, it, I don't know. It's not in their power. Sometimes it's the decisions made by somebody else. And they, Yes, you know, they and, but also I think that, that sometimes there are people that will vote for the person. And then you have people that are strictly party people. And I think that has a major impact in this county. You know, that, that they don't even give someone a chance or to no. even hear them, because I've seen it in the township where I live. And, and there were some really unbelievably young, vibrant people that were running for the town council that could not get on because they were the wrong – A, they were different, and they were the wrong party. And, I, you know, it's sad that it comes down to that because shouldn't it be the best candidate? And why is it always a power play? I mean, that's but the sad even, thing. Even in that one power, there's a guy behind – uh, I, there's somebody from my hometown, uh, Hardest, and I, uh, God, I forget her name. But the real power is a guy named William Winkler, and he goes after Republicans. He's the he's the de facto head of the Republican Party, whoever the uh, chair is, and he doesn't even live in Sussex County. But I give you, there was an election in Freedom. There were two write-in candidates, a Democrat and a Republican. One of those guys the, was a woman, and uh, Carlo Zaro. I have him as a friend on Facebook, but I, I don't agree with one thing he said. 
But I, I, he got thrown out. He was written out of the out of the playbook with the Republicans by that by that guy. And uh, it, 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 it's crazy politics. Uh, you know, he took the fall maybe for the uh, lighting scandal, uh, the solar heating scandal he had because he was on the three older board. Oh but, yes, uh, yeah. Is, uh, and and deservedly so. But I don't know. But Christie was involved in that, and the lawyers were Christie's lawyers. Sussex County got. I can't use the word screw. <laughs> I screwed over, I guess, but I did. It's every county. We should encourage people to vote. If you're electing uh, state chairs, county chairs that don't encourage that uh, to help some other candidate, it's been other than uh, Burrell. We haven't had a Democratic winner in in maybe thirty something years, forty years. And 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 uh, going back to Burrell, there was a major attempt to overthrow that at one point. That he, you know, that he didn't get it, and and, and it was ridiculous because he definitely had the majority of votes. And they still well now he's, he's he's been sworn in and he's got the job, right? Oh, most definitely it. because they said there was no way they they could appeal it. Just like we saw in Kentucky, you know, where that. Um, you know, it was that issue of like, uh, well, I can't win it on a recount because he's got the votes, but maybe I could do it on um, on how the votes were done or something to do with the machines until um, basically they said, listen, you're going to have to give it up. The other man won, and he just happens to be a Democrat. And let's hope the same happens when it's time for uh, Mitch uh, McConnell because that man is horrific. In terms well, of every, every bill that comes to the Senate, he out and out says, I don't care if the House of Representatives has voted it to come forward. I refuse to bring it to the floor. And I cannot understand how someone can just decide that they don't have to listen to a vote. Even His wife, I don't understand, government. You have to declare everything. Yeah, she's yeah. involved in shipping and products with China. And uh, yes, you know, she also threw money. I mean, she what is, is she is she involved with transportation? I'm not too sure. Yes, what, she is. yes, she threw up. I got how many millions over to state of Kentucky, which there he is, Senator McConnell, yeah. uh, and went to his campaign. So I mean, you know, I mean, you talk about code of conduct and ethics and draining the swamp. The swamp has never been as dirty as it is now. We're watching. If you watch the impeachment hearings, and I know that the church woman is listening, uh, this is the worst I've ever seen. These guys in the, uh, uh, testing, and this guy that was uh, all day they uh, that allowed testing, he gave a lot of truths and he gave a lot of half truths. And uh, if this doesn't lead to impeachment, I don't care what people's. You know, I don't look at it as a partisan matter. I look at it as an historical matter. Uh, I, 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 uh, for Hercules, the woman listening in, and, and anybody else, you have to read the book Warning by Anonymous. It, uh, you won't believe all the stuff. And I, I just have the feeling and, it's a woman. Uh, and on, it, on, that no, on that note, we have to wrap up. We have less than three minutes left. So wrap, wrap up your sentence. Um, this was a very animated and uh, passionate show. <laughs> 
It's going to the root and the causes of why things come to a vote. You know, why basically like a, there's a situation with recovery. Well, why? Well, they want somebody new. That's not the case. It is they don't want him. They want power for them. And and that's what I think they're always saying, though, that you have to look at the reason and the causes, you know, and the symptoms of things be, and not what what's being put forth. And in terms of, of, of talking about what you're talking about, it's as simple as this. The private sector and the business sector are two separate things. You cannot run the public sector like the private sector. You have to take care of all people, the people that you're elected to take care of, all of them, not just a select group. In the private sector, you're running a corporation. You can say what you want. You can call people names. You can do what you want. You can just fire left and right. You can hire people who are not supposed to be in that position. And you could have nepotism up the wazoo. Those are not constitutionally acceptable in a private sector job. End of discussion. But you know, but you know that this guy went deliberately made, went bankrupt and created debt in every business he had. I was told by somebody that uh, the three casinos were actually owned by Asian owners. The one, three that he had in Atlantic City, they failed. Uh, I, I, but I want to say one thing, too. that The national chair of the Democratic Party and the state chair of the Nav, uh, Democratic Party, they were talking about uh, elections small towns, uh, whatever, they're just as important as the legislative seats. We only lost of two course. assembly seats and one state senate. They've got to get it in their head that you create a base that way when you have a mayor, uh, you know, a mayor, a council. Uh, and, uh, and, and the lady that I represented, note, she had a... It's time to wrap it up. <laughs> it'll have to be, to be continued. Uh, I'm going to read the disclaimer again. We have less than a minute. Um, a disclaimer, Aristotle suggested that entertaining new thoughts without feeling obliged to accept them is a wise practice to cultivate. We agree. Our Olympian podcast explore interesting thoughts and viewpoints on a variety of topics, including health, religion, and politics. Our exploration is one of personal opinions and sometimes systems of belief. Our discussions in this forum, though sincere and enthusiastic, are not to be construed as Olympian endorsements of any particular point of view. It is important to share ideas and ideals and to learn from each other and to thereby grow. So Astrid and Bill uh, and Reverend Jean, who's listening, uh, thank you very much uh, for contributing to my education tonight. I wish you both uh, very well. Thank and you. I, you as well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember... All manifestations of the divine are equally valid.